Robins on the Wire, a Bristol Post podcast with Michelle Owen and Bristol City reporter Gregor McGregor. Welcome along to Robins on the Wire with myself, Michelle Owen and Gregor McGregor as we look forward to an Easter weekend packed with two massive games for Bristol City. Uh, is the squad going to be replenished? Also, a financial report came out this week. We saw the ins and outs of Bristol City's finance situation. We'll talk a bit about that. And also, who has the toughest running? Later on, we're going to get an insight from the Liverpool side into Ryan Kent and how he's done at Bristol City and what the future hopes are for him from the Liverpool side. And Lee Johnson it has been chatting at the Bristol City presser, as well as Jamie Patterson. We're here from both of them. And Greg has been talking to an ex-Bristol City player turned coach so more on that later so lots to fit in this week Gregor Uh, despite being an international break we seem busier than ever so two big games this weekend let's start with Barnsley Lee Johnson's old club of course Uh, what are we expecting from this we really need a win they really need a win so uh, yes shaping up to be a a huge match as they all are at this stage of the season what eight games to go isn't it and um, yeah it's squeaky bum time as they say so with Barnsley you know they've been fighting for their lives down at the bottom of the championship sort of most of the season really and their form is dreadful uh, they've sort of lost three of the last five and they're only outside the bottom three on goal difference they're going to be super motivated they are I mean they're, yeah they're desperate for the win I was talking to my colleague um, up there just uh, before this actually and we were discussing Ollie McBurney's brilliant form, which I'm sure we'll come on to. And yeah, I think he scored, what, six of their last seven goals or something. And he's probably been the best signing from the January transfer window of anyone who's come in at any club in the Championship. Uh, but if you take him away, then there's not a lot to recommend the Barnsley side at the moment. However, I was going through their likely starting lineup, and I still think they've got several really good talents in that mm. side. Yeah, I saw them, I think it was at Cardiff City a few weeks ago. It must have been because Ollie McBurney scored. And I spoke to then new manager Joseph Murray after, and you know he seemed like a nice enough chap, but he's got a job in his hands, hasn't he? Obviously, Paul Heckingbottom departed for Leeds a couple of months ago now. So, are they organised enough already? Because the form suggests they're not, despite having these very good players. Well, the word from up there was that they think um, Jose is just about worked out his um, strongest team. Uh, and it's not, obviously not been a... It's, well, it's been a very difficult couple of months for him, obviously taking over from Hecky and the position they're in, etc. And obviously the off the back of losing all these quality players that they always do every transfer window. And yeah, they, they reckon... Um, I, think, I think he's only had the one win so far, but they reckon he's sort of been experimenting with his side. He's been criticised a little bit up there for chopping and changing his, his team about, especially in the defence. But um, he might um, know his best side by now. And, um, yeah, looking through their team, they still have a few talents. I like the um, right-back and uh, captain, um, uh, Andre Yidem. Is that you? Uh, Yidem, yeah. yeah. He's a good player. And he was dropped when I watched them against Cardiff. And he came on as a sub, which was interesting. So that was... That was a, yeah, Andy Yidem's a really good player. They've got a couple of other threats as well, haven't they? Yeah, um, Davies, the goalkeeper. Apparently he's going to be back. I think he's just... He missed the last match because um, he had a baby. But apparently he should be back. He's a vice-captain and... Yeah, what's interesting as well is down this way is obviously the Barnsley connections mm. with um, several of the players. Yeah, there's a few ex-Barnsley, aren't there? Mm-hmm. Yep, uh, Josh Brownhill was there for yep. temporarily. Luke Steele is a Barnsley legend, um, my is colleague he? tells me oh, up there. Yeah, I didn't and, know that. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm not sure whether he's going to play because he picked up a knee injury, didn't he? Ruling him out of the last game. But yeah, we'll when I was when I was leaving uh, Ashley yeah, after the Ipswich game, I heard him talking about it in the tunnel because uh, he, he knew on some, someone from the Ipswich camp. He said, "Oh, why didn't you play?" He said, oh, "I just picked him a knock." And uh, decided this morning I couldn't make it. So that just sounded like a temporary thing, though. So I would imagine he'll be back, but we'll find out more in the press conference later on. 
And Ryan Kent, oh, of course. Well, of course, Ryan Kent, yeah. Uh, he's been there. When was he there? He was there last season, yeah. Was it last season? He season did quite well. He did, yes, he did. Um, yeah, and uh, he's, he's just not been in the team, has he, recently? And I guess... I mean, he featured yeah. so heavily in February. Played he sort did. of four or five yeah. times and was played a few 90 minutes as well. But since, I think, the Preston game, he hasn't featured. So is this because uh, we've got wingers ahead of him and, of course, Lloyd Kelly playing at left-back. You have Joe Bryan ahead of him now. Then you've got Jimmy Patterson. Then you've got Josh Brownhill. Callum O'Dowd are coming back. Ryan Kent's below all of those, isn't he? He has. I, I think he's he's lost out a little bit with um, Farmer Adichu. Yeah, because he's come back because Patterson was in the ten role and he's moved to the side. Yeah, Ryan Kent's one we're going to come on to later on as well as I'll be chatting to him to one of our colleagues up in Liverpool. Uh, so that's Barnsley, and are we thinking three points there? Are we thinking a draw or perhaps the worst case scenario? Well, I think they've got to win. Uh, the stage we're at, really, with the teams around them, the fixtures to come. I think they've got to win, and I. But I am confident they can do it. I think they could squeak a close win out, aren't they? And for Lee Johnson going back to Barnsley, how's that exactly. going to be for him? Added incentive and, um, yeah, still well-respected up there. I spoke to a few um, Barnsley fans the last time they came down and, yeah, thought he was um, uh, a really top-quality coach in his time there. Obviously, a few people have pointed out um, that he obviously has this strange um, knack of going through bad runs and good runs. Yeah. And it seems to have been at every club, but... Um, yeah, hopefully he's turned that around at City now and um, they're going to end strongly. OK, well, let's hear Lee Johnson's thoughts ahead of the Barnsley game right now. For me, it was a fantastic experience managing Barnsley. It's a big club, it's a good club, it's a very passionate fan base and um, I think that the decisions we made over a period of time led to a lot of the successes that they've now had, particularly in the Championship slightly changed now due to probably the quality of those players moving on and dare I say it to to bigger clubs um, but the likes of Alfie Mawson now playing for England the likes of Mason Holgate obviously previously to that it was Stones and um, there's a lot of players that have done very well that, that I worked with at that football club so um, very good to see but now they find themselves in a difficult situation and we know what it's like. It's tough. You know, last year we had that um, towards the end of the season and uh, they've got to dig in. But for us, it has to be about performing very well on the day. We have to take the environment into account but make sure we play our football. And uh, it will be a tough game, but it is winnable for us uh, if we're at our best. OK, there's the thoughts of Lee Johnson then ahead of the Barnsley game. And Jamie Patterson's been down the press of the day, hasn't he, Gregor? And he's won... You know, some have questioned his form on social media, but I think he's been doing things that people haven't seen or recognised. Let's not forget that terrific back heel for the assist to Josh Brownhill a few weeks ago. He is doing little things and his ball retention is still quite good. Yeah, I mean, anyone who's listened to a lot of these podcasts will know I'm a huge fan of Jamie Patterson. And what I always point out is maybe something that um, a lot of supporters don't notice at first, which is that he's one of the leading players in the league for key passes. What are key passes? Well, they're basically um, assists, but except when the player doesn't score. So essentially it's creating chances. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's one of the league's best, whether it's from crosses and uh, or just open play and... I don't think he doesn't take all of um, Bristol City set pieces. Obviously, Marlon Pack takes a fair amount of free kicks. Joe Bryan takes uh, left-sided um, well corners from his on his left foot from the right-hand side. So it's not like it's, he's, he's getting a lot of um, uh, yeah key passes from 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 uh, set plays like that. So yeah, he's just a very creative player. I always think when he's got the ball, he looks dangerous around the final third, and I always feel like something could happen. Yeah, so. you, you feel like anything could happen. And here's the thoughts of Jamie Patterson on his form and what's been happening recently. Yeah, well, I think sort of in the middle of the season when I was uh, sort of went on a little bit of a run I was sort of 
I was playing up front with with Bobby Reed, sort of in the ten. This is I'm sort of out on the left now, and it's uh you know coming deep, getting the ball, and just try and create a little bit more, you know. And it's just about getting them victories at the minute, not really personal milestones. It's just just trying to get them wins and trying to get in the playoffs, or you know you never know. Or might. Good to hear from Jamie Patterson there. So Easter Monday, it's the game against Brentford at Ashton Gate. Two games in four days. It's a big ask for any squad, but Bristol City should have a replenished squad, shouldn't they, Gregor? They should. I'm expecting them to be almost at fully fitness. I think we're going to hear um, today about Callum O'Dowd. I expect him to be not too far away. And then you're just really missing out on Matty Taylor, assuming that Luke Steele's um, injury wasn't too serious. Yes, I bumped into Matty Taylor in the corridor of Ashton Gate a couple of weeks ago. It must have been the Ipswich game. I said, how are you doing? How's the hernia? He said, hernias. I said, oh, both of them, because I've got it of both of them done. Ah. So I thought it was just one. But he said, no, it's both. And I said, are you going to be back soon? I said, he said, oh, hopefully in a few weeks. I said, before the end of the season, he said, touch and go. But then when I spoke to someone else about it in Bristol City, they said, oh, but he should be back before the end of the season. So I don't think he'll be back for this game, though. Um, but, you know, perhaps not as urgent as someone like Callum O'Dowd returning. Yeah, they've got plenty of um, striking options at the moment. Um, Makes so, change. <laughs> yeah, Milan Juric obviously did a great job last time. And then uh, goal scoring machine Lewis Juni can come off the bench too. <laughs> Uh, but Lewis G now has to be below Milan Juric in the pecking order and goodness knows where Corley Woodrow's got to but with uh, Milan Juric just a note on him when he came on and scored the header yes he did very well but what else did he do in that game do you think that was positive? Well, okay, that sounds like a loaded question to me. (laughs) I just feel like he's very good at getting his head on the ball I mean he should have got two really he just looks very immobile yeah, I, maybe it's horses for courses. Um, I do like the way that he's sort of the plan B, isn't he, really, if things aren't working. Mm. And he was excellent the game before that at Burton, I have to say. He really held the ball up well. And, mm. and Famara Di- Jeju was getting a lot of um, criticism for, well, some fans said ducking out of tackles, but I think that's harsh and I don't think that was the case. Um, but maybe just not holding on to the ball as well as Jurich to, did. And yeah, Jurich can ride a tackle um, a lot easier. So could Jurich start... Monday and Gigi on Friday? Possibility, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, or, or the other way around, depending on how Lee sees it tactically. But um, yeah, that's that's the advantage of having a big squad and options and uh, it's a good problem to have. And um, yeah, it, it's good timing, isn't it? The City seem to be getting a lot of their players back for the, the run-in and they're only going to really be missing one or two players. Yeah, Brentford haven't been so great recently. They, they did... You know, have a good patch of form that saw them sort of move up the table. They're in 11th at the moment, but uh, they drew with Middlesbrough, which for them, I suppose, was a good result at home. But then they lost to Cardiff City and they lost to Millwall as well. So their form isn't great at the moment, but they're not to be underestimated, are they? No, I spoke to um, Brentford journalist sort of... um Dan Long and asked him whether Brentford are still in the mix for the top six and he thinks they are if they can beat Bristol City so it might be a case of um, win or bust for them on Monday. Wow so Um, he thinks that Brentford in 11th who are currently 10 points off the playoffs with eight games to go are still in the running and there's me and you debating whether (laughs) Bristol City might make the playoffs. Well yeah there's he's very optimistic they've they've probably got to win every single game and that that is highly unlikely to happen so but so, talking of run-ins then, who is the toughest running? Because this is something I see has been written about this week. But out of the sort of the teams competing for promotion, who is the worst running? Well, yeah, I've looked at um, a few of the matches and 
I, th- I think the main thing is that basically a lot of the teams still have to play each other. Obviously, mm. City have got to play Sheffield United and Millwall and Middlesbrough all around them. So, in some regards, it's in City's hands, isn't it? Because if they mm. won all those games, uh, Middlesbrough, yeah, they've got some toughies to come. Um, I think they've still got to play Wolves. Um, and yeah, Sheffield United, we were discussing this the other week, have got all these games of, uh, with teams around them. And I just can't see them winning all of them. So mm. I just think they might fall a- away a little bit. What about Derby County? Because Bristol City are only a point off them. I know we keep talking about Middlesbrough, 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 because they're the one, one above. But it's only on goal difference that Derby County are placed above them. And their form is worse than Bristol City's. Yeah, disgrace, wasn't it, that they got away with uh, being able to not play Cardiff the other week. But, uh, yeah, that, that might actually make the difference come the end of the season. We'll, we'll see. But. but two wins and a draw for Bristol City in the last five actually isn't, isn't so bad now. If we look at the shorter space... Yeah, indeed, I think... Let, let's they... not look over sort of 14 games because it's not pretty. But <laughs> I think, you know, if we try and put this positive spin on this, coming out of the international break, very fit squad... You look at it on paper and you'd fancy them, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think if they get a result up at Barnsley, and I'm confident they will do, then um, you're suddenly only looking at what one loss in the last four, five, six games even. And that's not too bad form going into the final, what, seven games of the season. Just a, just a word on Brentford, though. I have to say, when I went to Griffin Park earlier in the season, I thought they were magnificent at home. And even though they... Well, the two teams drew 2-2 on that oh, day. what game that was. Yeah, Bobby Reid with that last gasp equaliser. And I really feel that was a, a huge part of City's season, actually, mm. getting that point right to the death. But Brentford played so well. And I actually said to Lee Johnson after the match, I, I thought Brentford had outplayed City for large periods. And Lee actually disagreed with me. He thought that they had a lot of the ball, but didn't do a lot with it. But I thought they did look dangerous, so... Yeah. We'll have to see what happens then on Easter Monday at Ashton Gate. God, we have a lot to discuss next week. So, uh, Bristol City's finances have sort of been revealed, haven't they? And tell us what you found, Gregor. Yeah, I probably should clarify that they Bristol City released their financial accounts back in December. However, the reason we're kind of examining them now is because you've got the end of the financial year, obviously, in a week or so, and every club is, is required to reveal their accounts, but clubs do it at different times. So, by looking at them now, you can compare them against other teams in the league. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, there's a, a long article um, about this on the Bristol Post and there's probably far too much to cover in just like 30 seconds or so. But um, most people know that Bristol City have been making a loss for a while. But I think the long term outlook is, is slightly um, brighter and... Yeah, I know obviously the, the senior hierarchy are looking at trying to make um, Bristol City sustainable. This is um, this m- makes them um, a huge mark on things like their transfer policy. They just can't go out and compete with um, the teams who, who've come um, been relegated from the Premier League. Sides like um, uh, Norwich even like a couple of years ago still benefit from huge parachute payments that um, basically account for more the entire, than the entire year's turnover at a club like Bristol City. So yeah, the financial... Um, uh, gap is huge um, so it's a, it's tough for City um, then you've got the owners coming in at like Villa and Wolves um, having a, a big effect and these are is driving up salaries uh, and transfer fees all of which was um, remarked upon in um, Bristol City's financial report um, they made a three million three million pound loss um, and yeah that, that's the highlight um, but that was helped hugely by selling Jonathan Codger in that accounting year um, without and which they'd have made it a huge huge loss um, and so obviously that's not going to happen in the next accounts mm. but they have got other factors that will come into play so essentially the thing keeping Bristol City afloat like with many other football clubs is Steve Lansdowne and his purse strings 
This is correct, yeah, and a lot depends on how much Steve wishes to um, invest. But I have to say that Bristol City, if you look at the wider reporting period of over four or five years, then there is um, a trend that things are basically on the uh, basically improving and the mm. losses are becoming less. And given this year, all the good stuff that's happened, plus the big increase in attendances, um, things do look um, brighter for the future. Okay, I need to clarify that that's not me with a little hooter when Gregor finishes a point, but basically... uh we are today recording in my studio and there's a lot of building work being done outside. So just as Gregor finished his point, there was a big building and construction delivery and they decided to hoot, but they were very appreciative I, of I what you just said. Yeah, I don't think it was John Lansdowne driving <laughs> that JCB. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he just loved what you said. Brilliant. Uh, so fi- financial uh, sort of detail is, is in what Gregor has written on the Bristol Post website. And Gregor, I know we touched on it last week. Any more on Bobby Reid's future? It's a question I'm going to keep asking you every week because we went into it in great detail last week. We won't go into it in so so much detail now, but what do you know? Well, just one little um, thing on this. Um, This week I've been speaking to Marvin Brown, who has just been appointed um, as the new under-18s coach for the Strikers at Bristol City. And Marvin is um, a former Bristol City player. Some people might remember him from many years ago when he broke through um, at Bristol City, but he then went on to move to different clubs. Now, Marvin is one of three brothers. Aaron, in fact, was uh, at Bristol City for a lot longer time. Uh, people might remember him and uh, his brother, his third brother, I believe Cameron, um, was also in the academy for a, a good long time. And uh, yeah, it was really um, interesting to catch up with him and hear about what he does on a coaching side. But um, uh, he was also um, a coach at one time of, I, I believe, uh, the same side that Joe Bryan and Bobby Reed played in. So I was asking him um, his opinion of Bobby Reed and how high ba- he, he, he believes that Bobby can go in the game. And this is what he's- um, I think the best thing, not the best thing, but a really important thing with, with Bobby um, is he didn't have a straightforward pathway. So it wasn't a case that Bobby came in almost like I did. I came in at 16 and played in the first team and was almost, you know, was almost there. Whereas Bobby had to go out on loan to get the games at different clubs, you know, work really, really hard and stick with it to actually break into the first team. So I think what Bobby's got, which will put him in a really good light for the future, is the fact that he'll really appreciate it. He understands where he is and that it hasn't been a smooth path for him. And so he's been really resilient and he's worked so hard to get to get where he is. So um, it's hard to say sort of how high he can go, but if you look at what he's done this season in a team that have excelled, obviously right towards the top of the um, the championship in a new position, I think the fact that he's got a great attitude and the fact that he's down to work means that any time he does get an opportunity, he'll take it. You know, and he's got a great attitude. People speak highly of him, so he's got every chance of pushing on again. But rather than that being a different club. I think for everybody, we'd love to see Bristol City in the Premier League. And yeah, sure. Bobby can realise his ambitions, and all the players, really, Joe Bryans and those local lads, can realise their ambitions of playing as high as they can with Bristol City. I think that's what we that's what we would all want. We wouldn't want this player to have to leave to, you know, to, to potentially play Premier League football, which is everybody's dream. 
you know, I'm, I'm hoping that he can do that with Bristol City, which would be fantastic. Yeah, so that's Marvin. And um, he, uh, as well as doing the coaching at Bristol City, um, runs uh, the Total Soccer Pro Camps or is part of the team running those. Um, they've got camps running over Easter and um, they do a lot of talent ID um, stuff, actually, um, and help uh, send kids on to Bristol City. So they're well worth checking out. You can find them, I'm sure, online if you look. Um, and yeah, it was good to hear from him. So that's Marvin Brown's thoughts on Bobby Reid. But do we have any new information this week about uh, any more interest? You're not getting out of the question that easily. <laughs> uh, is there anything else we know or is it just sort of the same as last week? No, just just that that's it at the moment. Obviously, okay. Premier League interest in um, Bobby. And yeah, nothing's going to be sorted out now. It'll be sorted out at the end of the season. And um, yeah, that, that's going to be the, 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 um, the vital time. And do you think he's waiting to sign, uh, waiting to either decide or sign or, or whatever he's going to do when he knows where Bristol City are next season, right? I, th- I think so, but I think there'll be more than that that comes into play. Um, I think he'll look at what his family wants to do and also people like Joe Bryan do, or obviously Aidan Flint's just signed a new deal. So these, all these things will have a bearing, including what uh, Lee Johnson and Mark Ashton say to him. Maybe they can persuade him. What do you think about Ryan Kent then this season, Gregor? Because um, we're just going to talk to our colleague um, John Gibbon, who's up in Liverpool and he does the Anfield Rap podcast and knows a lot about Ryan Kent. But just before I chat to him, what do you think of Ryan Kent and the season he's having? Um, yeah. With Bristol City, because obviously he was at Freiburg for the first half of the season. Yeah, it's been a tough time for him in a way because he's obviously not settled in Germany in the Bundesliga. He's come over here, um, didn't have um, too much playing time over Christmas because of the winter break over there, but then came straight into the side um, here at Ashton Gate, um, which coincided with some bad results. And yeah, I do like him. I think there's um, talent there, but the, uh, the problem is I think he needs to play more. But at the same time, um, City can't really afford to gamble on on a, on players who might not who might make a difference, but might not make a difference. Especially when you've got the likes of Patterson and Brown who Brownhill who have been pretty consistent, and O'Dowder who might be involved for the final few games as well. Right, let's get uh, some more detail then about Ryan Kent. So I'm joined by John Gibbons, who's on the Anfield Rap podcast. John, you've seen perhaps quite a lot of Ryan Kent over the years at Liverpool and he's come to Bristol City this season. He did feature heavily for sort of four or five games, but it doesn't look like he's really kicked on and cemented a place in the first team. So what? why do you think that is? And also, can you tell us what's happened on his other loan spells? Yeah, so he's this is his fourth loan spell. Um, so he's, he's, he's 21 now and he's, and he's been out kind of four times the, the the first two actually went pretty well he was at he was at Barnsley and Coventry and I know the fans there really liked him I think at Coventry he was named young player of the year and and, and I was playing week out week in week out for them and, and the fans really liked him similar sort of story at at Barnsley and um, that was sort of league one so obviously below, below the level that Bristol City right now then he went to Freiburg in the summer which surprised a few people really and wasn't necessarily expecting to move, but it was an interesting one. And I thought, well, fair play, going out to Germany, trying to learn a different style. He, he made his actually made his debut against Bayern Munich. Um, they, they got beat, no. fi- yeah, they, and they got beat five nil. But he played, um, he played as a centre forward in that game, and so, but it was good to see him. But then he, he kind of fell out of favour, and I think he, he struggled a little bit settling as well, and 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 that didn't quite work out for him. So we were following kind of this move to Bristol City with interest, really, because I thought he'd do well there because he's he's obviously an exciting player and he really actually really impressed in the summer. We went, we did a, a pre-season tour of America and he, he featured quite heavily because 
obviously lots of lots of players they're only playing a half each and things like that. But he was one who really caught the eye with his with his direct running, with his exciting style, and the fact that he's always looking to make something happen. I think turned a few heads so a few people who maybe forgotten about Ryan Kent because he'd, he'd been away for the for two two full seasons or or maybe mm. we weren't quite sure about him suddenly thought oh we might have a player here actually but so it's it's a shame really that that it's not really kicked on for him this year you mentioned that he sort of fell out of favor at Freiburg it looks like that might have happened a bit at Bristol City so do you worry about maybe his character and if he gets out of the team trying to get back into it I think, I think he's a very individual player, and I think he's he's got how he wants to play, and he's got a style. And if that doesn't fit into to, to a team style, I think he struggles a little bit to adapt. I think he's one who's who's you know very set in how he wants to play, and he's as I say, he's very direct, but. That often means not passing the ball. <laughs> you know, there's, I mean, yeah. there's, that, that can be can be good, but also it can mean you know your your centre forward gets a bit fed up with you because he's he's a little he is a little bit head down. Um, you know, he's a little mm-hmm. bit kind of well, this is you know, you feel like he's kind of decided what he's going to do rather than allowing the the shape of the game to kind of dictate it really. And so imagine he is a little bit of a frustrating one to play with really, rather than someone who, you know, a, a wide player who's who's going to be constantly looking to um you know to to feed a strike. And sort of in terms of the future then, uh, what's what do Liverpool think of Ryan Kent? I mean, what's going to happen beyond of his beyond the end of his his loan with Bristol City? Do you think he'll come back next season? Or I sort of think he's missed the boat now. He's he's twenty one. He's he's twenty two in November, and I think you're looking at it and there's, there's there's players younger than him who were probably have had ahead of him you know we've got Ryan Brewster who was a star for England in the under 17s everyone will have seen those goals in, in that brilliant World Cup win and there's talk of him being a first team player next season that they don't want to send him out on loan he's only 17 so he's four years younger than Ryan Kent you've also got Harry Wilson who is out on, mm. on loan at Hull but he's playing really well he's scoring goals he scored for Wales this week which was brilliant he's only 19 I think and so there's, there's there's, there's a, those, both of those players playing in similar positions to, to Ryan Kent and so you just worry a little bit really I, I wonder whether this summer it might be one way for him as well it might be better to, to look for a permanent move because you know the lad's been here there and everywhere really and he's never really found a home and I think what he really needs is a is a manager who will believe in him and work with him and work with him to kind of bring out his obvious talents because he, because he does have talent undeniably yeah absolutely you can see that when he runs with the ball just needs to put his head up brilliant thank you so much John cheers no worries at all okay Gregor before you go I've got a question on Twitter uh, for you from Lewis Stone he said what was the pre-season target for us have we exceeded that already and what's the feeling from the camp regarding getting in the playoffs well the pre-season target was it just survival um, well, because I heard someone say that the other week and I thought that was wrong we asked Steve Lansdowne in fact in the last game of the season and he said um, yes it was survival but he, he hoped that they might make the top 10 Greg, well, just on that, before I move on to another question on Twitter, when you set out for survival, does that mean that you're already conceding that you're going to lose games? And why would, you know, just as a general sort of point, why would anyone ever set out like that? Let's see if Bristol City did get promoted to the Premier League. You know, the natural thing would be like, oh, survival, that's our target. 
But that's a mentality where you're setting out to lose, right? Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying there. And in fact, we've asked this um, to we've asked Lee Johnson this before, and he's replied, "Yeah, that um, basically they aim to win every game. They aim to win the league, and then basically you just see how far they they fall after that." And um, Jamie McAllister said a, a similar thing as well when I, when I've spoken to them. So yeah, they want to finish as high as they can. They want to get promotion, but realistically, is that going to happen? It's unlikely, but we'll see. We'll see. And uh, Lewis Stone also said, what's the feeling from the camp regarding the playoffs? So, yeah, um, I think basically the players were all excited. Um, that was the message um, before the international break. I'm sure that'll be the message today. Um, and yeah, they, they want to go for it. There's only eight games. They can get in there. And if they do, who knows what ha- what's going to happen? Well, I think we're going to have a lot more again after this weekend, this Easter weekend, jam-packed with fixtures. So we'll catch you back here next week to review those games and look ahead. And if you're listening on iTunes, if you can rate and review us, that would be great too. Thanks for listening. Robin's on the wire.